0: A few nights ago, I received a call from Toronto, and it was someone calling to see how Lois was doing, and uh, the person was with me, and before too long, the conversation came around to her daughter. We had prayed for them in this congregation because they're very close friends of my family, And the young daughter, whom I knew from a little child, her husband had a massive stroke, and they had to crack his skull and go in. It was just a nasty thing. And the conversation went on to what was happening, and then she said to me, the only difficult part of this situation with which I am dealing is with the mother-in-law their mother-in-law. Now, I wasn't brought up in a culture that made fun of mother-in-laws. I I learned that when I moved to Canada. Hmm. And I've heard it in other places. Mother-in-law jokes can be heard Even from pulpits, and you won't hear it from this one, I can tell you that right now. For no other reason than I had a wonderful mother-in-law, and so did my wife. (laughs) Mother-in-laws have taken a great deal of ill feelings from people, and perhaps there are good reasons for that, perhaps not. Again, I say I was blessed with a wonderful mother-in-law. We come to a text this morning, and Luke, I chose this, although the story is found in Matthew and Mark and Luke, Luke is the one who gives it that special touch that the others do not do. When it comes to details, you will find it in Luke. The others will state the fact, but Luke will give us the little nuances that you can come to and and get an insight into the situation that you would not simply get with the information you know Luke was a good man see I go, I go home and I, I say to my wife um, or she comes home true story and her roommate with whom she roomed when she was a teacher in Three Hills called and she said hello Winston I said who is this and she said, it's Ianthi." Oh, I said, how are you? She said, I said, I'm fine. And she said, I'm fine. And she said, is, is Lois at home? I said, no, she's not. Oh, I was passing through, and I wanted to say hello to her. I said, I'll tell her when she comes home. So my wife came home. And I said to her, "Ianthi called and said she wanted to say Where is she staying? I said, I don't know. How long is she staying? I said, I don't know. She said, why didn't you ask her? I said, it didn't occur to me. And it didn't. She gave me the information. I gave her the information and that settled it. Luke doesn't do that. Luke is a good man because Luke goes into the details. He touches where most men don't. (laughs) and that's why I wanted you to see this with Luke consider with me the sickness of this mother-in-law where it was (laughs) the the, the domicile or the dwelling Look look at how Luke opens it he went into the home of Peter he went into a home It it must have been a very wonderful home. I know that in that culture, everybody lived with everybody else. Uh, And and sometimes that might be good, and sometimes it might not be. I don't know. Um, But we won't get into that this morning. Peter's home. What is a home? Listen listen to, to what someone said a home is. To Adam... Paradise was home. To the good among his descendants, home is paradise. To Adam, home was a paradise. But the writer caught on to something that after sin entered into the world, only those who have recaptured what was lost in Adam is home, a paradise. Home, when ruled according to God's word, angels might be asked to stay with us and they would not be out of their element. I love that. If a home is governed according to God's word, angels might be asked to stay there but they would not be out of their element because the home is the institution where where God has such a vital interest in it that before he put anything else on the face of the earth he had created, he made a home. And imagine that Peter and James and John were able to go into that home, and and, you know, I'm sure they didn't have any telephones in those days, so that he couldn't call home and say, Honey, I am bringing Peter, James, and John for supper. The mother-in-law was there. The mother-in-law, the text seems to say that she lived with them. In fact, when Lois and I were in Israel, they took us to a place which they claimed to be the home where this story took place. I don't know if it's true or not, but if you go to to Israel, they'll take you to this home, to the location where this is said to have been. But isn't it amazing that God gave us this paradise called home, Poems have been written about it. Be it ever so humble, there is no place like home, sweet home. It's amazing to me that when the devil wanted to interfere with the whole purposes of God, he started in the home. He wrecked the home by causing Adam and Eve to be against each other because the first expression of the breakdown in the home was the husband blaming the wife and both of them blaming God. The home was supposed to be a place of pleasure. Read Psalm 128. You read about the man who fears God, and because he fears God, he treats his wife with respect and his children with love and tenderness. And I was, I was, I was coming, I'm coming across something in my studies today, uh, not today, a few days ago. And it's interesting that we usually put the idea of love in the domain of the woman in the Bible. But you know, in the Bible, a woman is never called to love as if it's just a part of her nature. The man is called to love. It's the man who must, who, must, who must work hard. For the devil has done something to a man that he has interfered with his capacity to love and to make a home a part of Eden, a part of paradise, and to recapture it. And, and, and Satan interfered with this home, so to speak, a sin. Again, remember, I did not say that his mother-in-law sinned and therefore she was sick. I, did, I hope I made clear that last week. But sickness comes into the world because sin has entered the world. And here is someone who meant well for her family, for her daughter, for her son-in-law. And instead of paradise, there is pain. And you can multiply that a hundred times. How many homes have been wrecked because the devil was able to interfere with the home and cause confusion and division and difficulties and pain and yet we come to this home and instead of seeing pleasure we see pain dear friends it could be that there are people listening to my voice this morning that are going through pain and if you're going through pain what I hope that this miracle we're studying today will give you hope because the whole purpose of Jesus Christ coming into the world was to restore the home to what it was supposed to be. That's why it is said when the home is ruled according to God's word Psalm 128 angels might be asked to stay with us and they would not be out of their element. I will never never forget when Lois was giving birth to our first child, Heather. It was early in the morning and there was myself and Lois and I was beside my wife reading the Psalms to her as she was going through her pains. And, and beside in another room was a young girl all alone, All alone. And she was going through all the pains. And there was nobody there. There was no one there to be with her. And it came to my mind, we we shall see in a few minutes, that the worst thing in the world is not to suffer. The worst thing in the world is to suffer alone. That's the worst thing in the world. To have nobody there. But here was a home. There was a home, and there were people surrounding this mother in law. Let's look at the diagnosis. The rest of the text tells us that she was lying with a fever, that she had a fever. But Luke, being a doctor, a physician, said she had a high fever. The ancients used to to evaluate fever by high and low fever. So if someone had a low fever, it it was perhaps 99.8. But if you have a high fever, it's 102, 103. You are in trouble. So this was not, Luke recognized this fever, being a doctor, as being something extremely, extremely difficult. And when, when he tells us what was happening... One of the translations said it was a great fever. It was a huge, it was something that was consuming her. It had it had consumed her whole being. She was, in fact, the word that is used is that she was on fire. And how you could multiply that into different ways. He's describing her as burning. She was on fire. And I thought of this as I was studying this text. If I understand it correctly, a fever is not the cause of something. A fever is caused by something. So there's something more than just that she has a temperature. Something was interfering with what was going on inside of this mother-in-law. You know, I... Again, I have never seen so, so many, many medical things as the last week being in the hospital room, especially when we were in intensive care in Portland. And all the things in which my wife was hanging and the, 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 the nurses doing their, their stuff. And, and there was nothing like this in that day. They could check her temperature every two hours. They could check the pulse beat anytime they wanted to. They did not have this. So what Luke is telling us here that human effort to curb the fever did not exist. Here was a woman who was who was who was who was, uh, as one put it, she she was she was hemmed in by the fever. Everything about her life was described by what was going on. In her, therefore, again, Luke helps us. We see her disability. We see her disability. She was suffering. She was being afflicted. She was held together by the fever. She was arrested by the fever. She was actually ca- camped in. T- to suffer mean that, that she was disabled by it. You know. Again, if I may, and, and it's fresh in my mind, so that's all I have to go by. You know, as, as, I, as I looked at my wife when they brought her into intensive care, and she was on that bed, and I, I, I wasn't looking so much at her face. <laughs> I was looking at her chest. I don't make sure she was breathing <laughs> because she looked like she wasn't. And, and, and it, it frightened me. It frightened me. But everything, everything that was going on at the time, the one thing that they had to pay attention to was to make sure that what they had done to her head was not in any way with infection, dripping. And so as they came in, every time they came in, they would go there. And then a very interesting thing happened. As as, as she was there, every time the nurse would come in, She would take her little flashlight and she would shine it in Lois' eyes and then they would go through uh, and I keep thinking, you've done it once, why do you need to do it again? Ah, but they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. And what I'm saying is is that the care was there but she was, you know, two days later or three days, four days later they asked her, how long have you been um, in, in, in here and she said, oh, I don't know. How long were you in intensive care? He said, I don't, I think I was there for a day. I said, you were there for three days. She didn't know. She had no consciousness of it at all. You see, she was captivated by what had happened to her. She was controlled by what had happened to her. She was incapable of responding When the children were there over her bed with with me, and uh, she didn't know anything. This fever disabled this woman just as the surgery for a while disabled my wife. (laughs) We, We were at the doctor on Friday and he was going over the things with her and Lois is a little bit annoyed now because she's not getting better as she wants to. And the doctor said to her, Lois... You had major surgery just a week ago. You had major surgery. Then she settled down. I'm glad the doctor told her, because if I had told her, I might have to ask for a residence in your place or something. I don't know. <laughs> but she was disabled, and even now. You know, there are certain things we have to do in the house that we didn't do before when the nurse came on Wednesday. To check, so You've got to change this, change this, change this. And what I want you to see, my friends, is that this fever disabled this mother-in-law. Let me make an application. There are other kinds of fever that disable the Christian life. There is a, there is a funny story in the Bible. I'm going to read it to you. Listen to it. It's found in Judges chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. When the men of Judah attacked, the Lord gave them victory over the Canaanites and the Pizarites, and they killed 10,000 enemy warriors at the town of Bezek. While at Bezek, they encountered King Adonai Bezek and brought him and the Canaanites and the Pizarites were defeated. Adonai Bezek escaped. But the Israelites soon captured him. And when they captured him, they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Now isn't that an amazing story? They captured the king and they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. I almost burst out laughing when I was reading that. Ah, do you know what that means, friends? Two things. They were disabling them. Because, see, in that culture when you cut off the, thumb, the thumbs and the toes, you disgrace an individual. But not only that, you make them incapable of doing certain things. Adonai Bezek was running. They cut off his big toes. He cannot run again. Adonai Bisek was a warrior. They cut off his thumbs. He couldn't hold a weapon again. And there are fevers that we have. Sometimes the fever of hurt that disables us. It makes us incapable of doing what we want to do with life. We are controlled by the experiences that come to us. I I remember I was, was just starting out And I don't even remember the situation. But this this minister said to me, God can never use you. And when he said that to me, I I just went into a a tailspin. Here is someone making a pronouncement on my life as to what God was going to do. And I was walking. I, I was working... Uh, it's a common labor. A common labor. I was walking, working at the University of Lethbridge, and I was it, that thing preoccupied my mind. This fever was intense, if you please. It was disabling me. If if someone makes a pronouncement like that on my life, I am done for. And God said to my heart, Winston, I didn't say that. Someone else did. I didn't say that. And you see, when we are to be delivered from the fever that disabled us, whatever that fever might be, we need a miracle because only the power of God can deliver us from the fever that disables us. And how many people are still disabled today in the church? There are people who said, I went to that church and they did this and I'll never go back to church again. I've heard it. I've heard it. And listen, listen, listen to verse 7 of that text. Adonai Bezek said, I once had 70 kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off, eating scraps under my table. Now God has paid me back for what I did to them. I don't want to... This is not retribution. But what I want you to see... That he, this one man, disabled 70 other people, had them eating below their spiritual capacity because they were now disgraced sitting under Adonai Bisek's table. Dear friends, I trust that no one in this room this morning has their thumbs, their spiritual thumbs, and their spiritual toes cut off. You are disabled. Think of certain things that would prevent you from becoming involved in the ministry. Think of certain things that would prevent you from sharing with someone else. Think of thoughts you might be thinking of God right now. Because you can't understand why God has done this or why God has done that. You might be disabled. And you need the miracle that we're going to be talking about let me quickly get to the support the support for the mother-in-law we see now we have seen her sickness what it has done to her we have applied it look at look at the support look at verse 38 i love this so very much then he got up left the synagogue and entered simon's home home now simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they ask him. Remember what I said before? It is one thing to suffer, but it is something else to suffer alone. And I, I want to, to say, I don't know if we find words, Lois and I find words. Your response, your prayers, your concern for us at this time um, has been more than appreciated beyond what you can ever realize. And I hope that we, we show that the support. This mother-in-law had people around her who were giving her support. She was not to suffer alone. I want to read a story to you. It's a story of Dr. Robertson McQuilkin. I I read it some time ago, but I'm quite sure you have forgotten it by now. But just listen to this. The care, what care means to people. He was the president of Columbia Bible College. Some years ago, he had to resign his position because his wife, Muriel, was suffering the advanced stages of Alzheimer's disease. He went to the board and he said to them, My dear wife, Muriel, has been in failing mental health for eight years. So far, I have been able to carry on the ever-growing needs and my leadership of responsibilities at the college. But recently, it has become apparent that Muriel is contented most of the times she is with me and almost none of the times that I am away from her. It is not just discontent, she is filled with fear, even terror, that she has lost me and always goes in search of me when I leave home. Then she may be full of anger when she cannot find me. So it is clear to me that she needs me now full time. Perhaps it would help you to understand if I share with you what I share with the announcement at the time of my registration. Please listen to this. The decision to care for Mural was not made when she got sick. The decision was made when we got married. I promised to care for her in sickness and in health until death do us part. So I told the students and faculty, as a man of my word, integrity has something to do with it, but so does fairness. She has cared for me fully and sacrificially all years, all these years. When, when I graduated from the first college, they gave Lois a, a, a diploma, and, and the diploma read, to Lois Thurden for earning her Ph.T. Ph.T. Putting hobby through. She's done it for all these years for me. She cared for me fully and sacrificially. If I cared for her for the next 40 years, I would not be out of debt. duty. However can be the grim and stoic but there is more. I love Muriel. She's a delight to me. Her childlike dependence and confidence in me, her warm love, occasional flashes of that wit that I used to relish in her, her happy spirit, her tough resilience in her face of her continually distressing frustration. I love these words every time I read them. I do not have to care for her. I get to care for her. Difference. Jesus said when it comes to the family of God, the blood relationship with Christ is more precious than the blood relationship with our relatives. And when we come together, we can care for people in such a way that causes this world to say, "What kind of a people can care for others to that degree?" That is why I'm asking you to, to join me, and I, I'm no saint in doing this. Believe me. Go, let's let's sacrifice some time and go to Willie. I heard, you know, all of a sudden, let her let's go in there and sing. And by the way, when we sing, don't sing "Happy Birthday, dear Willie." Sing "Happy Birthday, God bless you." That way, no, if you forget, no, no one has to search for it. I just thought I'd put that in, by the way. Because even now, as they were singing for Warren, I heard, uh, 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 and, uh, you know, we know his name is Warren, but we say, happy birthday, may God bless you. Uh, now, where was I? <laughs> for her to care. For her to care, for us to care, because, friends, listen, do you remember... Even in her sickness, while some of you were sick, she would send cards to you. She would take time to remember you. My neighbor, who doesn't go to church and who doesn't have any affiliation with anything, Willie heard us talking about her and Willie sent cards to her. When I go home at times, Vanessa would say to to me, how is Willie The support, the caring for this mother-in-law. She was not a burden to her home. She was not a burden to Peter. She was not a burden to those around her. So that they cared enough to do something to sustain her, to encourage her. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting Again, please allow me. You could ask Lois if this is true or not. Before I leave home, even though there's someone there with her, I want to know, is everything okay? Do you need this? Do you need that? You know, I, I am such a good husband uh, that, that I even go and get water for her to drink. I mean, think of, think of that. You know? And I ask her, honey, do you want ice in it? I mean, this is this. I see Leonard shaking his head. I wonder if Cora gets that. (laughs) Let me tell you something, friends. Care is a wonderful privilege, but care costs. David was discouraged. And he said, oh, that I had a drink of water from back in in Jerusalem. I would love to have a drink of water back from my city. And some of his friends who were with him heard him saying that. And they went and they risked their lives to get David a drink. And they brought it to David and they said to David, here, David. And David said, what is that? And they said, we heard you saying that you would love to have a drink of water from back in the city which you are prohibited from coming to right now. David was touched. You cared enough for me to do that? And David took the water and poured it out, not in ingratitude, but as a sacrifice to the Lord. He was saying, Lord, if these were willing to make a sacrifice for me, I am going to sacrifice my thirst to you. And he poured the the water as an offering to God. Sometimes we have to risk our lives to care for others. And perhaps that's one reason we don't. Proverbs 17, 17 says that brothers and sisters are born for adversities. Well, let me quickly bring this to a close. I want you to see not only that there was the care for her condition, but I want you to see their conviction their conviction. They besought him on her behalf. The word besought is an old English word to say they prayed. They went to God. They went to Jesus. They said to him. They told him about it. And here is this posture of prayer where we take to God in the closet of our homes where we pray. And, and, and we take to God, I often think of it this way, you know, one of the things I try, and I try to do it, and I encourage you to do it, when you get prayer requests on, on the, 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 the internet, my friends, someone has asked us to care enough to pray for them, and we ought to. Someone feels, if, if my church is praying, I can face this. If the people of God are, are taking me to God, I can face this. So so here is this mother-in-law burning up, arrested by her fever. And there are a, 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 a group of helpless people. They're there, but they can't do anything about it. And they ask Jesus. I had the most wonderful experience visiting with Willie this past week. And those of you who've been visiting with her will, will be able to attest to this. As I was sitting down there, she was telling me her stories. And the stories are really interesting. <laughs> oh, she told me about being a Target and shopping a Target and, and what she had to go through a Target. And as I sat there, all I can pray, I took her right to the Lord. I said, Lord, she's not aware of what's going on right now, even with her. Give me grace to encourage her as she speaks And let me listen with intensity as she speaks to me. Let me encourage her that someone is taking the time to listen to her. Friends, I ask God for that so that I might give it to her. And this is what we ought to do. We ought to take our brothers and our sisters when we know they're going through difficulties for which we are unable to do anything about it. We are able to take them to God because listen, when we take them to God, we bring God to where they are and when we take them to God, we take them to where God is. They besought him. Ruth Graham, I don't know if she was getting ill at the time but she she wrote this don't talk to me yet the wound is fresh the nauseous pains I can't forget they fade into numbness like a wave they come and they go and they come again your tears understand but grief is death It cannot hear the words you gently planned and tried to say, but pray. That's what it's saying. But pray. When we come to a place, my friends, in our homes, for our children, for our husbands, for our wives, for our community, there are times we don't have the appropriate words to say, go to the closet and take them to God because I think the highest care we can give, apart from what we know we can give, but the highest care when everything is out of our hands is to be able to take those who are suffering with a fever and take them to God in prayer. The song What a Friend We Have in Jesus is not just a song that was written. It was a son who migrated from, from Ireland, to Ontario, not from, far from where I used to live. And when he came, he received a telegram from his mother that she was dying. He was broke. He didn't have a penny to his name. And the only thing he could do was to sit down and write his mother a poem. And the poem went something like this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The conviction about her condition It's, I can't do anything about your fever, but I know someone who can. And they ask Jesus. That's why we sang the song this morning. Come to Jesus and we'll end the service with give me Jesus. Let me quickly get to the Savior and the mother-in-law. Look at verse 39. And, and, And this is a beautiful setting. This is what Luke does. And standing over her, Jesus himself drew near. And my friends, it's a wonderful thing. When Jesus comes to us, when we pray and we take others, Jesus is near. That's not just some psychological thing. That's a reality. He promised it. And he bent over her, and Mark says he took her hand, and he rebuked, the fever. Now I want you to understand something. I said before that a fever is not the cause of something, it's the result of something. And when Jesus, when Jesus rebuked that fever, he went to the very source of where it was coming from. Only he has the power to create that kind of a miracle. No one else can. <laughs> uh, in the room at OHSU on, on, on Friday, Lois asked, doctor a question i don't remember what it was but and i was glad to hear his answer i don't know (laughs) i don't know there are some questions my friends that the physician only knows that certain things happen but he can't explain it she can't explain it but when you and i have confidence in god we have one who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, far above what we are able to ask or think. And I want you to understand something. Please note now, when Jesus rebuked the fever, it doesn't say anything about exorcising a demon. Because that fever was not caused by a demon. It was caused by simply the fact that she in a fallen world. So it has nothing to do with it. So we don't have that. A.W. tosa wrote very, very wisely Listen to this. The thing the devil fears most of all is not necessarily the believer's prayer. (laughs) I used to hear that. And it might be true to some extent. We used to say in college that the devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint in prayer. That might be true. But listen to what Tozer said. The thing the devil fears most is not the believer's prayer, but the presence of the believer's God. Not so much the prayer, because my prayer could be as innocuous as ever. But when God by faith comes in, my friends, nothing, no matter what the causes, can, can stand his presence when the presence of Jesus stood before the grave of Lazarus, even death could not stop Christ from bringing him back to life. That's the power of the God we serve. So here's a mother-in-law with the presence of Jesus released and very cl- rapidly. Look, look, let's look at the response. And, and this is how we know that he, he touched everything having to do with that fever. Luke says, she, she rose and started to wait on them. Mark says, she rose and she started to wait on them. The word there is that she rose immediately. She didn't go through any kind of, of, of exercise. She got up immediately. And she started to minister to them. Great word. Great word. We get our word deacon from that word. You know what it means? that as soon as she was released from the fever, she saw her life as being in use for the purpose of God. She started to serve. The the, the miracle, my friends, like Isaiah chapter 6, when he says, woe is me, and when God cleansed him and he heard, who will go for us? Isaiah said, here am I. And I am saying that when we realize the miracle of our salvation when we realize the miracle of the providence of God, when we realize the protection of God, as we were studying Wednesday night, deliver us from temptation, because we don't know the world in which we're living. When you go out and come back home, and you are safe from dangers and and, and, and seen and unseen, my friends, you don't know what Jesus has done for you in that day. You have no idea. so our response to the miracle of Jesus in our lives should be that we want to serve him. I have no other choice. I love my Lord. What he's done for me, I want to return in service to him. As soon as she was free from the debilitating fever, she wanted to serve him. Let me suggest something to you, friends, in closing. This is not how I plan to close, but this is where I will close. Service to Jesus will be our greatest delight when we realize that had He not saved us, we would still be lost in our sins. And if he went to the extent to save me, then the only logical response that I have to someone who rescued me from an eternal hell is that I might use my life to glorify him. Whether I eat or drink, whether I wake or sleep, in labor, in leisure, whatever it might be, that if he has loved me so much to have given me his son, then I must love him with that same love to serve him with my life. Let us pray. Oh gracious God, take this word and Father again I pray as I have prayed often, this word was not directed to anyone. This was a word for the body of Christ which includes me. So whichever way the Spirit of God was pleased to work this morning, accomplish your purpose, Lord, from the delivery of your word. Help us as we take these few moments to reflect upon what God has said to us to respond to him in the way that this mother-in-law did. Oh God, may our lives reflect the truth that we have been delivered from our fever to serve Christ and his church. We pray in his name. Amen.